right, Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today we have Matthew Rhodes of Tropodelic in Rhodes Icarus. Rhodes is a hustler, man. He's a mover and shaker. He uh, he fell into this groove with this group of dudes and picked up on this thing and ran with it and learned every aspect of it and how to make it successful. It's one thing to write music, but to learn how to make all the other aspects of it work is an important factor, especially now when you're doing your own thing. If you're doing a podcast, if you're writing a book, the advent of social media puts you in charge of all these different things that you wouldn't have been in charge of before, which is cool because you control it and you get to express it how you want to. But also... All right, friends, before we get into the interview with Rhodes, this was recorded like at the end of December, so it's been kind of sitting around... And I didn't, the intro isn't up to date, so we need to make it up to date. And I wanted to do that by first thanking everyone who helped out with the Dog for Diego week of stream shows. I am, uh, uh, my voice is totally gone after um, screaming at the, the top of my lungs in different venues from behind a mask to make sure everyone can hear me uh, uh, kind of narrate or direct the streams. And uh, um, yeah, but it's been an amazing week and it's insane the amount of money we raised within one week, which is like seven thousand five hundred and eighty some dollars. Absurd. And that was all thanks to you guys. And it's going a long way. Diego has been so 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 giddy all week as I'm showing him after each night how um how the streams went and how the donations came through and he's like, Oh, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, I know but it is and he's just all so giddy that so many people would do that and care about him. So thank you guys so very, very much for making this happen. Um, I also want to thank individually, before we get into our interview with Rhodes here, um, Uncle Gnarly, Mad Star, um, Komet, Big, <laughs> Jewel Big Green, All's Harvest, Aaron, um, Sparrow and the Lost Boys, Astro Radio, CLE, Midnight, Buford, AJ in the Woods, Grov, Liamara and the Dreamcatchers, Lilier, that's how I remember how to say it, Lilier, um, especially Lilier, they, they donated money out of their pocket, not, not only their time, but money out of pocket, um, Apostle Jones and Chris Wilde, Terrestrial Brewery, Studio 44, um, The Winchester, Ben, Jay, Shane from The Winchester, Cindy from The Beachland Ballroom, Terrestrial Brewery, um, Wags, Sarah and Gwendolyn from Wags for being super cool and being super supportive of this whole uh, madness of an event. Liz Bloom for um, uh, um, for doing art and hustling that and doing that art fundraiser and making an absurd, an absurd amount of money with that. Um, and you guys should check out her podcast. Um, we, we've landed 216. Uh, she did an interview with me and Jay and that was a lot of fun. Um, now I'm going to bounce back to the past, and this is me talking a little bit about roads more. Sea level, sea level in Tropodelic have crossed paths in weird ways, but never, never in an upfront way. Like um, RCR Studios, where Trop recorded a majority of their releases, Sea Level has recorded our releases. Um, also, um, during the process of that, like we would cross paths as in. Rhodes being there picking up his files, me coming in the track stuff, me showing up, and then Carrie being like, oh, I forgot uh, I booked them today, or me forgetting that he booked them today, one of the two. Um, that happened a few times. 
But so the behind the scenes thing, we've crossed paths a lot, especially with our friend Brandon Hawkins, who we talk about. And um, so this was a really cool chance to talk in more than just passing, like actually have a conversation. And um, one thing I really admire about Rhodes is his ability to appreciate a situation for what it is and not take it for granted. Um, we get to talk to him about a bit with um, the culture of Kent, and I thought that was a really prominent point. This podcast is mixed by Studio 44, Studio 44 CLE. You can reach out to Studio 44 at, C- at studio44cle at gmail.com for any of your audio needs. If it's video, streaming, recording, they can make it sound good. Um, before we get into it, here is a tune off Tropodelic's new record of Illusion.
right, Tropodelic IDWD of Illusion with the Quasi Kings on that track. We're going to jump into this interview. Here's my conversation with Matthew Rhodes. Cool, cool. Sweet, man. Well, I'm good to jump into it if you are. Yeah, let's do it. All right, awesome. So are you always an early riser? Yes. Yes? Well, there's pros and cons, but when you have to be playing shows till 3 in the morning, it's not. There's very little pros to that. Yeah. But even then, do you naturally just wake up at five yeah. or whatever? Yeah, I mean not five, but you know, like usually on the road, there's a couple of us that like no matter what time we're in bed, it's like eight a.m., nine a.m. I mean, so yeah. And when I'm home, it's usually earlier, seven. Some gotcha. I feel it through through teaching. My uh, my wake up call has been five. So naturally, like whenever I get any time to sleep, I usually take it. Yeah. <laughs> so. What do you, you what do you teach? The music, uh, pre-K to senior high. Oh, do you really? Like, yeah, yeah. Like at a, at a school? Yep, yep. At a charter school, I teach an adapted course. Oh no, shit! Yeah, What's yeah. the charter school? Um, it's called a. Well, hold on, I'm a, uh, and it's cool because I can. It's adapted, so I get to fit the kids' needs with it and do cooler shit. So nice. It's, it's not just like a um, typical academic lesson it's that but i can change it to make it more fun <laughs> yeah that's a blast it's my my traditional music education pretty much ended when i was like to my guitar teacher hey i just want to learn how to play nirvana songs and then it was just like all downhill from there i just left theory and everything else and i feel it yeah <laughs> that's cool you're able to cater to whatever they kind of need or want well that makes it fun you know, yeah, like the, right. if not, it's dry and you're like, so it's fun to try to make the boring stuff fun because when you know it, it's sweet and you can do a bunch of cool stuff with it, but it's, it's so dry. How do you make it spicy? And, <laughs> but when did you pick up guitar? Um, I was probably 15 or something. No, nah, I was younger than that. I, my parents said, had forced me to play an instrument in like the, Catholic school, yeah. elementary school, um, whatever. Under the under the under the convent, they had they brought all the kids in for recess to play the instruments, and I had to play saxophone, and I was miserable. And I finally convinced them to let me play guitar. So I was probably like eighth grade or something. Gotcha. That's about when I started. I started in seventh grade, and uh, it was on guitar, and I was trying to pick apart blues licks. But was Nirvana always the thing that drove you? Like, I don't know. I I. I still to this day like I'm not big on theory and I mean I I know I know where my notes are and I yeah. know what sounds good but I, you know I, I always I always say I'm, I'm not getting any younger but I'm like man you just just fucking learn the theory man am I allowed to cuss on here is that I'm not yeah so no good? you're fine dude it's, okay <laughs> um, that's why I, I, <laughs> that's why I left out the name <laughs> yeah but I've been uh, I've been saying that for so many years now at this point I'm at, at an age where I'm like dude just focus on what you're good at and and be the best you can be at that and like kind of let some of these other ambitions maybe fall to the wayside but no i mean you know the guitar teacher tried to teach me the right things or whatever and at some point i'm just like dude i just want to play these yeah these all these alt rock radio songs and, and then it kind of just like you know the guy's making whatever 20 bucks a half hour he's just gonna he's gonna keep you happy he's gonna yeah you know teach you the tabs or whatever was it well and just the learn it's more motivating to have someone learn something they want to learn <laughs> you right. know what I mean? If you're learning something, you want to figure it out. You're going to put time into it. I had this weird thing. I woke up this morning and I wanted to listen to 
fucking super tramp <laughs> i don't, I, don't I, I just i was just i've been listening to super tramp since i woke up and i'm just like man this band's underrated like super tramp like pe- people know super tramp yeah they, like, what's the but, the the one the song that's in all the fucking commercials uh give a little beer <laughs> oh yeah that, that's the big one but then they had the um you know fallout boy covered that one with the guy um take a look at my girlfriend that song oh yeah yeah um yeah uh, there, there was a gym class heroes. Yeah, right. They did their uh, take with that. Yeah, but it goes but anyway. back to them. It's funny how like I don't know. There's got to be some kind of reason, but I'll wake up sometimes and I'll just have like the most oddball ass fucking song or artist in my head. And like today it was fucking super dream. But I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you uh, do you ever wake up and just have stuff written? I was talking to Bill Stevenson from The Descendants, and he'll wake up and he'll just have a song in his head. I don't know if I've ever had that. Um, it's crazy. I definitely have stuff just like like magically come like in a real quick kind of sort of fashion, but I don't know how to bed. No, not so much. Me either. Like it's crazy. He'll come out. Uh, he was saying he'll wake up and have a whole song in his That's head. Wild. And, yeah, he's got like a little studio next to his bed. So I awesome. Know, I don't know much about the Descendants, but that's a big. They're a fucking big name. God, was it a uh, at actually at our school? The Descendants were kind of a big deal. Like uh we watched the the doc the filmage and for the students that really clicked and got like because we have a band room we do rock band club on fridays okay and like that really made made it clear to the kiddos what we were trying to do um and the the all philosophy kind of became part of the school's culture which is fucking rad to say for a for a high school (laughs) you know what i mean like What's the all philosophy? All the putting your all in, going all for greatness. It's kind of like the, the punk rock bands. They kind of had like like bad brains with PMA. You know what I mean? Like they each kind of yeah. had their thing with uh with Descendants. It was all and going for all, and they got a whole song where they list the commandments of all and stuff. And that the, sum it up is pretty much going putting everything in and going going all in for whatever it is you want to do. Nice man, that's like a good uh, punk rock education philosophy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it was really rad. So the chat with him was really cool. Um, yeah, I try to be well rounded with all. Like I, I all like digging. I, for a while there over the summer, I go, I go on a lot of runs. I would like put like I put a new artist on it all the time. And there was a segment there I was doing punk because I mean I love I like I like punk a lot, but like yeah. I like like suicide machines and that kind of stuff. Sick. Yeah. But I, I put it on the dead boys. I know they're like a huge Cleveland. Oh yeah. Legends. But I, I mean, I can't, it wasn't for me, but I mean, like I, I preach, I appreciate, I know they're like, I mean, they're probably the predominant punk band from Cleveland, right? Was it them and a uh, Pira Ubu? And like, there's, but okay. they're like the most, like, I guess like, uh, well, there's no. a whole, like post, like first, first generation of guys to go out and do it. And they went out to CBGBs and like kind of, pushed their way like so when all that was going on like in the earlier 70s they were the crew um right but in like the 80s there's a whole there's a whole doc i haven't i haven't wrangled it up yet um i can't remember the name of it but dead federation there's like a lot of like 80s punk bands so there's a huge scene of it but the dead boys were um some of the early pushers right um that's awesome i think it's it's super it's super important to stay well-rounded and stay like open to hearing things and actively trying to be inspired by stuff you can find and people you can talk to and like was it yeah 
especially genres you're not you're not into the fo- the force yourself to listen to it and hear something because there's a, there's something that appeals to people here and why 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 don't I get it I, I, I admire that that's awesome yeah yeah people ask all the time like so what what are you like what are you listening to like expecting to hear like um you know like I listen to friggin Bob Marley every day or something <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I, I honestly like I'm, I very rarely even listen to um sort of reggae oriented stuff not that i don't love it i spent a big chunk of my life listening to yeah. that but nah i mean like yeah I, I love bluegrass and i'd say like the americana folk bluegrass type stuff and then hip-hop are kind of like my primary sort of okay. go-to yeah well is it this good melody carries through mix it in that's a pretty uh trop mix it sounds <laughs> yeah you know, honestly you know, honestly that, that i was thinking about this the other day because the one thing i can't really do is the um like the double bass pedal, just the metal, like that's yeah. just like you know, like that. And and, and, I, and I came, it came, it came to me. I'm like, it's just dude, the melody. I'm so the melody is so important to me. And if the song is devoid of melody, man, it better have some like, better arise some deep emotions in me because yeah. otherwise I'm turning it off. But like, it's pretty much everything I listen to, with, um, with the exception of like that kind of stuff, um, which some of the guys in the group do. But yeah, melody. I love the melody, man. It's all about melody. Gotcha. It seems like. Um, kind of like a, it seems like your guitar players have always been like metal dudes, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah Bobby's a metal guy, clearly. Um, With the dime bag guitar, it's sick. Yeah, he actually moved. He actually got another one now. It's still a. It's still a. Why can't? What is that name eluding me? What's the guitar company? Dean. It's still a Dean, but it's yeah. more of like a, like, a, like a Gibson style. But um, but yeah, he's definitely a metal guy. So could they kind of jump back? Once you you picked up the guitar and were figuring out some like chords and actually learning some tunes, and that was like that was probably that was in high school, right? Yeah, I was yeah early high school had and, like a high school band, yeah. And then uh oh, what was the high school band? Uh, it was just my buddies. Um, we put out records and stuff. Um, nobody, I don't want anybody looking for them <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, um, I feel yeah, that I, man. Before even Travadelic, I probably had like 40, 50 songs like that were, you know, recorded and written. Um, so, but yeah, it was, uh, it was like pop, pop baracus stuff. Yeah. Kind of Nirvana influenced from what you're starting with or? No, I've always had, it's always been like different. I don't, you know, I don't know. At that point in time, like you're so young. I mean, I listen to some of that stuff on a very random Blue Moon occasion and I'm just like, God damn! Like, what was I? What was going through my like? How I was so untainted by like just the the fucking cruel world we live in that like I had these like just these natural the thoughts that were going through my head were just so I don't know just they're just great man I and I wish I could kind of get back I guess I guess that's the story for everyone you kind yeah. of just chasing that original feeling whether whether it's the fucking crack or just like you know like whatever it is you're, you're trying to get that first sort of feeling that you had and you know i'm still doing it i guess it is interesting that for um for a lot of artists i've talked to it seems like once they start there's this burst of just like creative output and then the more they do it the harder it is to obtain and like the harder it is to kind of have that pure just expression come out and like uh, especially with writing it seems and it seems like a lot of people that high school years and it could be, it could be, uh, 
the development thing. You know what I mean? Your body's going through a lot. Your brain's going through a lot. It's easy to have a lot of emotions and commit to them at a younger age. Right. And then when you grow up, you start to develop the habits. You're like, I wake up early. I do the thing. I put in the time. And the, the discipline's not there. I don't know. Yeah. And, and even even like to once kind of like uh, the late stage career, I don't know if it's the late stage as much as um, just kind of when you reach a certain point to yeah. – this is one thing I've been trying to anticipate is that, you know, everyone kind of like, not everyone, I mean, there's bands, everything's different for everybody, but yeah. you know, the, the big thing is that bands go soft. Like the, you get, what I'm trying to anticipate in my head is okay. Like, bro, if you, if you come upon some money here and this train keeps rolling, like it's rolling, like I, I don't want to be that guy. It's like, okay, I lost all my motivation. I lost all the real shit that got me this far. So now I'm going to write fucking, you know, just whatever, you know, s- sissy shit. Yeah. Um, or, or shit that it's you know not you know that didn't come from my heart as much as it's just directed towards marketing to an audience. That's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about now. I'm like, okay, like I see some of these bands, and I'm like, man, that's just like that's so far, such a far cry from what the stuff that made me love this band. Yeah, and also that being said, it's a fine line. Like people, artists reinvent themselves; they reserve that right. That's why they're an artist. That's you know that's it's part of the game, but um. You know, with me, I've always, I'm like I said, I'm just trying to like get in touch and stay in touch with that that 15 year old kid and those you know those songs I wrote so long ago. It's that feeling that you know it's just it's just organic, and I think you know it's tough for artists once they become millionaires to kind of like get back to that point. You yeah, know? and it, well, that's awesome because it keeps it pure and it makes the intent um, an honest one, which is I think overall more appealing. Because when you were 15, those are the people you like, you you know, you mentioned Nirvana, you know, I'm sure Sublime was in the mix or like um, artists like that, that have this intent that they're like just expressing themselves. There's this purity in it that that doesn't that doesn't hide. You know, I mean, you can't really hide that. You can see that from an early age and like when you get further in your career, like you're saying, it seems like it's harder to do because you involve more people and you've become marketable in a sense. Right. And like, um, it's harder to like take more risks that may not hit like a marketable thing. Like I don't, with, uh, with sea level, we haven't really reached anything that to the point where we don't do what we don't want to do type deal. Right. But I can see with like the level you guys are at, like recording with Modest Yahoo and putting stuff out on a label where you have expectations from other sources, you know what I mean? Which is right. cool. It's like, like that's the that's kind of the goal, you know. You want to get to somewhere when you get a whole team backing you, like. But yeah, I can see where that the, those decision those decisions can become difficult. Yeah, I mean, and then you know, as things progress, like you know it's always the first time like, you know, like, so like you don't know what you're going to do till you're yeah. here. And then people, you know, I, I recently took a big step back off socials, um, for a bunch of different reasons. It was cloud in my brain and, yeah. and uh, in a lot of, sorry, people, but people put like, you can't put yourself in someone's shoes like until you're like, really like, you know, you experienced it. And so we're blessed to be over this point we're at. There's certainly way more to navigate than there ever was. And, you know, we're just out here fucking swimming, you know, and, but, but I think it's going well and, uh, you know, I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah. No, the new record's awesome. Um, was this one, 
writing this one because you have a lot of features on it, which is sick, and a lot of cool mm-hmm. features. Like writing this one, did you have those features in mind? Did you like leave room for it or kind of reach out and write around it? Like I was talking with Carrie about featured stuff and like he kind of Carrie from RCR. Um, he kind of preps like like a thinking about putting certain spots in there. And I always wondered with you guys if that was like the case. Because on your last record, you had Angelo Moore, which is fucking sick, like mm-hmm. from Fishbone. So to get guys like that and like it's a specific voice and like leaving a spot in the tune or like writing a spot for a tune, I guess really is what it boils down to. And what what's a, uh, what is that for you guys? I, I guess there's been, there's been, I guess, um, a few where... I wouldn't say we like ever really wrote a tune around like who might be a good feature, but there's been points where like super early on, I'm like, Oh dude, this guy would sound the, um, the Icarus song with Wookie yeah. foot. I heard that pretty quickly. I was like, dude, Mar- Mark would sound like so cool on this. And then there's other times where we kind of like sunny days. We were like sitting there just like kept the verse open and we're like, dude, who would be, who would be good on this? And there was quite a bit of discussion and then James actually brought up like Devin the dude. I'm like, Devin the dude, dude, that'd be fucking sick. And, um, and it worked out, but like, yeah, so I'd say a little bit of both. Um, we tend to just kind of like leave a verse open, I guess, for the most part. And like, then kind of have some conversations about who might be good. Gotcha. That makes sense. So the, the, yeah. The, the game too, with like the playlisting, everything else too, like, um, leveraging featured artists is so important. Um, so, you know, like some of the, you know, there's records where we had no features. Um, and then these last few have been heavy. Um, I mean, it's definitely deliberate. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's how you kind of grow, especially from an online kind of streaming perspective. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, probably, it's just, there's quite a few in that last one. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Cause with the whole streaming market of things or streaming, uh, approach to things, it's like, uh, trying to like figure out what that what how do you bridge that gap that point where you tip over and feed into other people's streams you know what I mean like and it's so isolated in like the Spotify sense where it's not like Facebook where you can network and tag someone and someone can follow you through that you really gotta hit that playlist thing and that makes the feature thing is a cool way to do it and makes sense and like the work with some of like the like your heroes are some of the bigger names and like collab on something's like a next level thing. Like, so it, it, it's deliberate, but it makes like it makes sense. And it could, it's like an approachable, cool way to do it. Cause you're involving these people, either you, you cross paths with, or you admire into your process to some way or some degree. Yeah. Like if you, if you had, all, all the it's it's hard it's so hard i mean just like anything else anybody else any other job but like you know looking like if you had told my 20 year old self that you'd be on songs with these these big like there's just no way like you know but but now here i am i'm like uh yeah you know like you know like yeah so <laughs> but it's it's wild how it works but and i really take time to appreciate it but but it is it's super awesome to have been able to collaborate with these people and Again, though, it, it is like kind of just how how things, uh, at least in, you know, based on our direction in our corner of this whole thing, this is kind of the way it works and you grow. That like uh, 
the idea that it's possible to reach out to some of these groups become more possible as you shared bills with them? You know what I mean? Or as like, as the records like grew more in reach and like with like being on a label, did these options start to become more realistic? Was it like the like growth of the as a band or growth growth? God damn, I can't talk this early. <laughs> growth growth as um um as a band or as like kind of as a as a business unit on the end of it. Both, I'd say. I mean, it, yeah. You you know, there's a, everyone's got a dollar amount to do any sort of thing is my philosophy, but gotcha. but they but you know. We, you know, some of these things that obviously people had to be, uh, sorry, my alarm's going off. Oh, this, is what time, this is what time I should have slept. So, um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of the ones we had were just favors and, and, and that doesn't come from, you know, just, Hey, this random band, I never heard of. Like you have to have a name people know. And if you shake some hands with these, some of these guys that obviously really helps too. I mean, yeah. Pers- personal relationships, I like to think are still the most important thing. Um, but um, the, then the label leverage too, like this ineffable has been a great partner to work with on uh, the last few releases, and uh, you know they coordinate a lot of that stuff. I, I'm I'm stoked to be at a point um, where a lot you know a lot of this kind of stuff is off my plate. Where you know for years it was just kind of yeah. all my shoulders, and now we got you know management and booking and label, and so a lot of that stuff gets coordinated with them, and you know I, I'm in the conversations I need to be in, and that's about it. That's awesome because that's such a huge thing on on your end to handle all of it. Like uh, I, I was forget, I was talking to either Brandon or Carrie years ago, and like they were like, I forget what we uh, we chanced upon a tropodelic conversation, and like they were saying how you drove the ship on all of that, and like to to lead the group, record the music, you know, what I mean, to write it and put it all together is enough on its own. But the book, the thing, and the be in contact with the venue and trying to, because when you first start reaching out and trying to get out of town dates, it's it's like impossible. And the, well, as soon as you meet somebody and do that personal connection, like you're saying, it's way more doable. And they're like, oh, that's fine. Even if the gig's not good, they're, they're cool. Yeah. That, that's a part of it. I think like, I can't, you know, I have no complaints. In fact, I was listening to, turn the page the other day i think the the, the metallica version which i'm not okay. the biggest fan but I, <laughs> but i'm like and I, and there's been different situations where i'm like like it, that song is he's complaining in that song about being a rock star yeah and, I, and but, but like i i empathize for sure like it's but the, those early stages that you referenced were like so fucking brutal yeah like i i was just thinking yesterday how many like just how many bro how many times are you like I cannot fucking do this anymore. This is like killing me inside. What am I doing with my life? And those, it's it's no coincidence. Those usually occur in fucking a blizzard in Missouri or on broke down in California. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's the worst of the worst kind of stuff. But I was thinking like, even before like those kind of, the ser- serious life questions, just breaking out of like our little area, like, yeah, back, it's been a long time, but back then I used to do the booking and all that stuff and like how hard it is to give people or to have people give you an opportunity and then you got to leverage just a little bit more and leverage just a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's like that stage before you have any representation is so freaking difficult. 
um, that if you made it to the other side of that, you're already in like a, just a tiny percentage yeah. of you know bands overall. I mean, God knows the fucking how many thousands and thousands of bands in the U.S. or worldwide, but you've already made it into like a tiny percentile if you can get like solid representation. Because for most of us that aren't as aren't with the lucky ones, that means you've you've earned it. Like you you have numbers somewhere. Someone's sees you as an opportunity to make a little money for themselves. And that's really, honestly, that's what it's about. Especially, that's what I tell bands too. Is like, well, how do I do this and how do this? I'm like, dude, unfortunately, this is like everything else. Like, you're only you're only worth what a, a dollar amount or a head count. Like, that's unfortunately yeah. the reality. So unless you're like that one percent band in in Southern Illinois that gets picked up out of their hometown, never toured by some by Capital or something like, which is like everyone, you're a fool to bank on that chance. But a lot of people do it. You know, like. Oh, I'm I'm so serious about my band, but I never leave my hometown, or I I play ten shows a year. Like, I, it's it's nice to dream, but it's probably not going to work out like that, you know. Like, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, we're just blessed, man. It's it's been a long, hard road, and um, not that we're anything special, but it's just um, I'm I'm glad we made it through it, and I'm pretty happy with the way my life's gone so far. It's definitely the perseverance uh, will pan out to success if you can manage to be in that spot where you're like, like how you're saying an outlier of all these other bands trying to do it. When you take that extra, the extra six steps to be in that spot and go through that to be the road dog and to like take on all the shit managing through it. And, but that, that, that definitely puts like in, in perspective, uh, puts it into perspective how much of an uphill battle it is. And like, even though, you know, you're plowing through it, that's what it is. It's, it's just the getting through it bit and learning all those parts on your own end. So when it comes down to someone else running it, like in your sitch now, it's like, you know that, you know that game or you know how that works. You know how that they're doing their gig. All right. I don't need to worry about it. Part of it, I imagine too, is learning how to do it and then <laughs> find someone else to do it. Yeah. It's, it's hopefully it's find like, someone else to do it <laughs> right it's like it's like a million other things in life i mean it's just it's all the same but like you you there's stuff where i'm like dude if i just listened to what this person told me i could have st- skipped like five steps you know but you're young and you're like you don't want to hear that shit you know yeah, like definitely but, you, know, you kind of you you grow to the biggest fish in your pond then you jump into the next pond you're a tiny motherfucking tadpole and yeah. then you got to fuck grow and grow and grow and then you jump into the next pond so but there's there's really like unless you're unless you're the biggest axe in the world like there's you're always going to be a small a small fish in a pond somewhere you know yeah. like so you got to be humble and you got to remember the, the sort of things and you know, just keep pushing and it's also it's kind of like the underdogs it's uh, you can get kind of i don't know that has to be for some bands at least listening like interviews um it, that, that kind of uphill battle that underdog mentality is like this inspiring thing to be in and once it gets to a spot where they can't be in that spot the band almost dissipates it's not as exciting or pure to them when it's not like they're pushing to kind of conquer the world type deal that that's that's kind of what we talked about before too that that makes sense and honestly the part of it i almost brought it up before is that one thing one thing that kind of solidifies our underdog position is being in fucking Cleveland, dude. Yeah. Like we're playing like, we're playing this kind of genre of music that if people like knew we were from Cleveland, they'd be like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. So, um, not that, no, I love Cleveland. Uh, I just, I bought a house here, 
last within the last year. But I don't want to say I want to spend my rest of my life here. But dude, this is a this is a tough place to live. I mean, just generally speaking, you know, like, yeah. And then to make some kind of music like we're making out of here, it's like, dude, what, what, who are these guys? What is this? And where are they coming? You know, like it's, it's such a, it's such a different thing that people are expecting, but I think it also helps kind of like keep us grounded and keep us hungry. And, uh, I don't know. I'm a big proponent of like, you live up here in these, these harsher climates, like you gotta be tough. And, you know, and I think that's helped us out. Well, Cleveland, I mean, it's a, it's a weird, it's weird because like, it is a tougher environment, like mm-hmm. when it, compared to like, oh, wait, they're, they're making reggae, reggae style stuff in Cleveland. Yeah. It, <laughs> but like, um, I think the music scene in Cleveland is really a special thing. And like, especially with like all this shit that's gone down, like mm-hmm. with the pandemic and everything, the, um, the Northeast Ohio Thing, like music scene has been super tight and super supportive of one another and multiple causes and like like uh, my friend Michelle Gall she started this virtual ver- virtual showcase thing and like mm-hmm. it ended up blowing up it was a Zoom meeting you would log into and you'd donate five bucks and it would all go to the artist and like she there'd be some shows where they'd make like six hundred bucks right. <laughs> like that's like a that's like a, a a cheap grog shop show you know what i mean like right that's and that's a banging night at a cheap grog shop show but it was all virtual and like that went on for months and like right. that's really with the with the podcast and stuff where i picked up more because i was interviewing people she was doing for her show that pushed their thing but like uh, just kind of seeing that in multiple things and like with the there's this whole 48 hour virtual fest that was aimed towards uh, some type of hunger thing as of lately. Like the Cleveland is tough as uh, the environment is. I think the people are equally as tough and equally as um, pure in a good way. Yeah, man. Product of your environment. But I, I, I yeah. agree. You hit the nail on the head, though, with the scene because, um, you know, my my stopping grounds are like. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. My, I have a bunch of family in Buffalo, and then I've lived in Cleveland about half my life now. So, like, that's kind of my circle. But then, you know, all these neighboring cities. But when you when you kind of put them in comparison, I mean, in my opinion, and I'm trying to take bias aside, you know, Cleveland music scene compared to where I grew up, Pittsburgh is better. Even the places as big as Columbus, I feel like the Cleveland scene is music scene is actually better, definitely better than cities like Buffalo and probably Cincinnati. Um, so. That is unique, and, and honestly, it is on the, it, in large part, on the backs of people like, um, like Kathy and Cindy at the Grog and the yeah. Beach, and like, I would, I just told somebody the other day, I'm like, dude, like, that is, the the, resourcefulness, the perseverance, and like, the determination that those those ladies have showed should be fucking noted in like a documentary, like, they, like. Kathy, when I, I'm just like, wow, this, this lady is a fucking boss and to survive in this market for so long yeah, it, and, and doing it in like a DIY sort of fashion without the support of these huge players a lot of times is like super remarkable. And, and it's, and I love that because that's fucking Cleveland dude. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, but you know, word up to them, man, more power to them. They're, they're awesome. And it, it seems like they're both kind of getting by here and um you know i can't wait to go go back to doing things as normal here yeah well they're definitely working on it definitely f- 
seeing what's there and working around it or working through it. Um, and Kathy, I mean, they've always been, and Cindy, they've always been that way. And like, I was, uh, I was talking to Watt, Mike Watt, and he was just like, dog, Kathy, the grog shop, good boss lady. <laughs> like, just like, but so it's been a, a thing through the whole time. They've always been this way, you know? You know? So right. this situation, I think they're, uh, no one's adapt to handle it, but no one in that spot would have done better than those two. Um, exactly. I seen the grog shop. Didn't like Les and Jake stream from the grog shop re- like this month. I saw another big band did, I think too. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I saw, yeah. I saw a flyer for it, but I can't remember if it was like pre-recorded or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't dive into it that I'm going to guess it was pre-recorded. Yeah. You might be right. Um, but you, uh, you kind of, uh, as far as Trop is considered, started in Kent, right? Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to break out and get out of like the bubble I grew up in, and yeah. uh, I decided that was only two hours away in Kent, Ohio. Um, so I, you know, dove into that sort of lifestyle and started was it college. The yeah, college. Oh, yeah. I went to. Gra- I actually graduated from Kent. Um, was a DJ there and I nice. What'd you go for? Bar. Uh, business, business. business? So I got, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So I ran a bar there and I DJ and I booked the shows. I booked the shows at the Robin hood before it was inevitably closed and torn yeah. down. I was lucky enough, like to book, I booked Wiz Khalifa at the Robin <laughs> oh, hood. Yeah. I, it was like 2000, maybe six or seven. Like he had like one song on the radio and it was like, Man, it was it was wild to think that yeah. that happened there. And then you know we'd get Chip the Ripper in there and a bunch of stuff. It was such a blast, but most of which I can't remember anymore. But <laughs> and then and then I mean I'm you know when I always think about like okay well, when did this really all kind of start? And if you take it back that long, I mean we're well over ten years. But I, I try to consider the fact that the first four or five years, I mean we didn't. I don't even think we played Cleveland for like three four years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I kind of think of it as, you know, when do we really start hard touring? And that was probably only like six years ago or something like that now. Um, so, you know, it was just a hobby until it wasn't, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I get, that's the, once it starts picking up, you grab on and keep going. Um, that's interesting. So in Kent, cause, um, a lot of, a lot of big bands came out of Kent, you know, you got like Devo, the numbers band, Tin Huey, um, the waitresses, Kent's a kind of a heavy hitter, even though they kind of branch in Akron, um, a heavy hitter in like Ohio rock. Uh, mm-hmm. so you're booking this club and you're working with Kyle, right? Who was a first, uh, collaborator for Trop in like the crest of the wave era of, uh, Oh, you're talking about Chavantes? Yeah. Yeah. So it was roommates. Yeah. It was my old roommate roommates on uh, university drive there. Yep. He was one of them. And the, you're coming prepped because you've been writing songs from like high school all this time. So was that like one of the first times you've collabed with somebody in a in a like a way like that, or was it just like a next, uh, just a continuation and just like being around all this stuff made it kind of click in a way? I don't I don't know if there was really too much thought into it. I was definitely yeah. collaborating with kids in in high school and stuff, but man, it was just it was just a party lifestyle and gotcha. we were just having a good time. Um, I was, I was thinking about the talk about getting up early. Like I was telling some of the guys there, like, man, like I remember I couldn't get out of bed before 11. Like it, <laughs> you, you were ruining my day. If you were, if I had to be out of bed before 11 
so it's just like wow to think how how life changes and you know but yeah the early days there's still just something super like natural about it and some of that stuff i'm just like wow like what was i on you know like adderall was a big part of that those years you know yeah yeah was it you're a sober guy now though right yeah actually i just went back to smoking weed um like a few weeks ago yeah after after four years so i you know i I'll, you'll never hear me say I'm sober again, but I, I haven't had a drink in four plus years. Gotcha. Well, I think it's good to like experiment with yourself in that way to like see what I'm. I'm pretty much I, the only thing I need is caffeine. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. I yeah. don't drink and I don't smoke, and but it doesn't mean I've never have. You know, I've attempted. I don't want to say it, I've tried it, and just it isn't for me. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, and like part of that is you know experimenting and seeing what works with you and what you can what you can use as a as a tool <laughs> to get through shit right but um but anyway so sidetrack i guess but uh so working with kyle and like kind of fine-tuning this like this this weird mix of reggae and hip-hop is that like I, I don't know is that like is that what came out of this party vibe is this weird like this weird blend of people and experiences and trying new substances just like within the music or was it, you know what i mean like or like come I don't, I don't know what your music was like before so it's kind of hard to like gauge what a, a good comparison question would be or is it did it just come from a pure spot of of being around all this stuff and the music represented that or being around other people. I don't know. That's kind of a... There was... I think you're asking if there was like intent there or if it was like a... I'm, yeah, I'm trying to find a way to, to say that right. Was it... Both. It both? was... It was. Okay. I mean, we'd come home and after night at the bars or wherever and then we'd be standing on top of the living room table having like freestyle battles with a room full of people that are going berserk in a house <laughs> that had, had been clean for seven years. You yeah. know, like... So like the hip hop, a couple of dudes I live with were like straight from Cleveland, Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a lot of different influence. I mean, it, it it's part of getting out of where I grew up. There's, I mean, I can't, so this is a cool thing too. Like, and this is, I would go and take advantage of every opportunity I could. I can't. Yeah. And I think, I think it's gotten worse since, but I saw, I saw Chuck D speak in a room with like 30 people. Sick. I saw Talib Ali speak in a room with like 30 people. I saw Russell Simmons talk. I went and saw the Black Keys and Kent with like 50 people there before they blew up. I saw, I saw Com, I saw Common and Muse on an MTV tour came to Kent when I was there. Damn. Like imagine that, Bill. Yeah. I saw, I saw um, uh, Michael Moore came and had a big rally, and Tom Morello showed up and started playing. Like it, like Sick. all this stuff happened. I can't. And since yeah. then, I think they reallocated how they do the money. So now, like the fraternity, the big fraternity guys that are now like the student council people, they get to determine. Yeah. So yeah. back in the day, I think when they had like two hundred G's in the budget, they'd have like, these these hit this. It was called the All Campus Program Ring Board. And there was these hipster cats that knew about the cool stuff and they would kind of piecemeal it out to different cool things here and there. And now yeah. I think they take that whole budget and they're like, and the, and the head frat guy's like, let's get fucking two chains for the whole, you know, like, and that's yeah, yeah. it. You know? But back, I was lucky to be just on the cusp of that. So I got so many, it was the first time in my life where I was like, shit, like the floodgates on culture just fucking opened up and they were pouring, it was pouring on my fucking head. And I was taking advantage of that while a lot of my friends were sitting at home just smoking, smoking weed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, so it, it was a combination of those sort of things. And then it's just like what felt good. And it was, there was some intent in the sense that like, Hey, like 
nobody around us is making anything remotely close to this. Why don't we try to do something different here? Um, and, and, and there was a whole different set of guys back then. And it was a lot, you know, I, I afford them every credit in the world for, uh, kind of setting the foundation for what yeah. this all has come. But it's amazing to me to think that, um, the different guys and stuff, like there's stuff that'll happen every once in a while. I'm like, dude, like this, this part of this hasn't changed despite this being nowhere near like the original sort of group of guys. Like it's yeah. wild to me to think how the vibe, and I think you know, I, I, outside looking in person would say, well, that's you, that's you're, you're the one carrying that. But it's nah, it's kind of weird, man. Like there's like this vibe that, you know, I'm not dictating every move everyone's doing or anything like that. Like it just somehow, and it's the fans too. Like it'll, it'll pull in people where I'm just like, we've been pulling in like these crazies since like day one, like people <laughs> gravitate to yeah. us that like a certain type of person. And I'm like, that's so weird and unique. Like it, it's not me. And I don't know how it transferred, but um, yeah, I, I can't thank those original guys enough. And I still talk to most of them, but that's awesome. Like it's definitely, it has to be like the vibe and atmosphere the a group of people can uh, create like a community that when you try to define a community of, of like people that are into a thing like I th- imagine being in it it's hard to describe it but being outside of it it is easier to see like oh they all like blank they all do blank so being in it and kind of like all these people that are into what you guys do and kind of running it like you are i can't imagine you can just be like oh it's this or that Right, and, that, and um, that's cool that you stay hip with or uh, stay close to everybody or remotely close to everybody. Kyle's doing some crazy, cool like horror music stuff now, which is rad. So it's he was always into that. Yeah, he yeah. always liked that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, because <laughs> it's such a A and B type thing, and like it's this metal vibe to like this mix of reggae and hip hop. Um. So, and it's interesting too because Kent uh, being like this culture center like I was talking to Chris Butler who was um, he was in the band The Waitresses and okay. wrote that song you know that that group I don't know that okay, group they do that I know what boys like that song. oh really yeah it's yeah okay. they're from he's from Kent and like okay. he uh, he played in Tin Huey and the Numbers Band so kind of heavy okay. hitter in Ohio music yeah um, and he was when he was telling me his experience of Kent, cause he was there during the shootings. Like it, yeah. it was just like this immense, like immerse of uh, being immersed with culture. And like, right. he became a film guy. He became an art guy. And it, it's so cool when you can surround yourself in that time of your, like in the college years or whatever, when you're growing to be around all these things that can like, nurture that that weird thing that you watch this crazy film and you think about it for like six years and you're like ah oh, i still don't know what it means you know what i mean like there's something yeah. about always being inspired by like this thing and it seems to have rubbed off because like even now you're still hunting for that new cultural experience through listening to all these different types of music you know what i mean like i think having that that installed right before you like embark on whatever your journey is is always going to be this this like this reservoir of um, depth. Right. I think part of it too is the freedom. Like I'm still chasing that feeling is like, it's chasing the freedom I once had to be able to take in that sort of stuff. Like, you know, I mean, college wasn't easy, but man, it's fucking, 
if you if you're lucky enough to go to college in America, yeah, and and you, especially if you had some help, like my parents helped me out with my tuition. Thank about I thank God for that. But like, it's it's kind of nice, bro. You get like Fridays off if you set, if you plan it right, and like, yeah. you, you or that kind of freedom. Like I I might never have again the rest of my life, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna chase it, you know, and that because that allows you to take in stuff like that and and be a part of those kind of special things. Yeah, but. Um, I didn't know like I didn't know like that band was from Kent though. That's, that's, that's cool. Yeah, Kent's uh, Kent's got a lot of badass stuff. Um it's interesting like with a with college or just through life, you progress from one thing and when you're in that thing and you go to the next thing, you're like, Oh fuck, I wish I was doing that thing again. You know what right. I mean? Like I went to CSU, I went to Cleveland mm-hmm. State and like before I did that I went to Tri C and knocked out all the all the bullshit credits and then went to the actual I studied music therapy. So like before I started studying anything music, I knocked out all the the stuff you didn't need. You know what I mean? Because I wanted just to focus on that. Right. And then like I was like, oh, this you know, it's not as fun. You're doing, but then there was this kind of freedom because you didn't really necessarily the class didn't mean the world to you. You're just kind of taking a history class. Right. And I like history, and I became like a a student esque person through the whole process of it. But like when I got to CSU, I'm like, oh man, you know, I was taking classes where I didn't really, I just got to meet people and learn things I didn't necessarily care about. Now I care about every little detail. Right. Yeah. I remember like music as a world phenomenon and it was like this hippie lady at Kent Yeah. who just sat, sit there and pick through like traditional African music. I mean, it was just wild. I had like a film class and we just analyze the shit out of old film. I mean, like That's that kind of, that kind of stuff. If you, if you're if you're privileged enough to experience stuff like that, man, just please soak it in, soak it in into your bones. Like I, I think, you know, I took advantage of a lot. I probably could have took advantage of more. Um, I, mean, I guess, I guess a lot of my buddies and some people that go like, they don't ever realize what they, what they could have done, you know, could have yeah. maximized, but, uh, I'm glad I did what I did, but man, just, I'm, I'm I've been blessed in life and I, I'm super blessed to have, a, you know, been through those days and those experiences. I think it's super important to acknowledge it and say it like you are. Yeah. Um, when did the uh, when did the uh, Matthew Icarus? When did the solo thing start to arise out of uh, the trop thing? Was this just a way to get rid of tunes? Uh, not get rid of, but put out tunes that um, necessarily didn't fit the band, or during downtime to keep like uh, keeping a creative state. Yeah, yeah. So like Rose Icarus, the side project was was basically just that. Um, it actually kind of started like I got I co- like I coined the name like back in Kent days. There was a while there before Tropodelic where I was like I thought I was gonna be a rapper. That was my thing. Yeah. I was in the dorms. Uh, I had like, okay. a little little setup. I had a, a setup in my dorm, so I had like a forty eight key keyboard in there, and I was doing cakewalk and like bringing in random people. I meet the cafeteria to rap <laughs> on stuff. That's they, it. They, they took. I think it was my first time ever in Cleveland. They took me. I was rapping. I had a few songs I produced with a couple of these dudes, and they took me up to. I, I couldn't tell you what the name of it was, but it was a club in the flats to like do a do a oh, show. Pats in the flats. No, 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 no. Okay. I know Pats. That's pretty fun. <laughs> this was uh, it was like Heaven and Earth nightclub or, or oh, something okay. like yeah, yeah, like yeah. Years, years ago on the one of those sides, and then uh, yeah, we went there like a Wednesday night, and I rapped like two songs, and there was like seven people there, but that that was performed under roads like back then and then kind of just like you know trap was my everything and then recently within the last couple of years i'm like ah eh, you know what like I'm, i want to start like putting out some couple of things on the side when i have time that may 
not really fit with the chop stuff. So, I mean, I, it'll still, chops all will be my main priority. Yeah. Just maybe once in a while, I'll put out some stuff on there. There's an outlet. Now, the Icarus myth, did that feed into like, is that, how deep does that resonate with you? Like, or is it like, I mean, that sounds like a stupid question. Like, but the idea of getting too close or getting that close is, I was, trying to i was thinking what what angle of that are you coming from you know what i mean i still thinking about it bro i don't think (laughs) that's been brought up a few times to me from different people yeah and actually on that song icarus uh market wookie foot brought up he brought it up in in a depth that i've never considered it and i'm like bro like i don't (laughs) you're you're making me think too hard about this (laughs) it was healthy it was healthy for me to think that but I don't have a definitive answer. I've always been kind of, I, I love the way it rolls and I've always kind of liked the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just like the way it rolled off the tongue. Um, in, in that end in music, I've always been like, like I'm like, I'm all about the melody. So no matter, like, even if the lyrics are fucking, fucking just nonsense, like I, it's more about like, okay, how does this feel to me? You know, like, yeah. Like Keith is doing the, all the, just the, the, jibber jabber shit like you know like um so i never i never thought too deep about that one and maybe i should think more about it but yeah i don't have an answer i don't have a firm answer was it that's almost i mean it makes it more uh it uh open to redefining it in a way like because that's by itself it's a name that invokes thought you know what i mean like oh this guy he's he's diving into some greek stuff uh what's going on here and it makes the you know it's cool because it, it it invokes that and you know can bring that up for yourself and for the listener now when did uh holly beck as far as some of your uh solo stuff become a thing holly video i'm not sure who who holly beck is was it uh i guess one of your tunes was featured in um, a surf video oh surf video oh you know what i'm that's that sounds really familiar now. <laughs> What'd you do? Some you did some you did some weird back alley research on that. I don't. It was that like lots and lot. Was that like ten plus years ago? That was like, I don't I don't got a date on it. I just got a yeah. name. <laughs> you know. You know what? I think that I I got a vague recollection of that. I think I think yeah. Like I think a pro surfer put one of our songs in her video. That was like super super. I haven't thought about that in like ten year, plus years for sure. But I have no idea. I mean, I, I do remember what you're talking about now, but <laughs> sick. Because I mean, I don't know. When I first came uh, of where I became aware of your music, it was the Cleveland Cleveland Styly tune. Yeah, like that's when uh, that's when Tropodelic became, and your your music became a. Uh, uh, that's when it, in my life I was like aware of it. I'm like, oh, Styly. They're referring to Sublime. I like these guys. Yeah, and like um, that was probably around then, and I can't remember. Uh, the Holly Beck thing that, fell into it, but I um, was, I think Holly Beck was before that. I think that yeah. was like, cause there was like a, a first and a second lineup of guys. And then I can kind of consider the current one, like, a, a, you know, the third, yeah. um, the second one was the, the eerie vibes record with Cleveland Styley and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that got, and they played that on the 88 nine shout out to 88 nine too. They still play a lot of chop, but I think that kind of really helped, um, that song on that radio station. A lot of people picked up on it. Was it so? That's interesting because, like, um, I don't know, like it, the branch of that did that lead to like 
like with these early form, or I guess a better way to put it is like, how did the Cleveland music scene, like, like the Cleveland style, I guess, like affect that early conglomeration of, of guys in the band? Like how much of like different parts of the music scene fed into like, cause everyone would be coming with their own, their own thing. Like you got a metal guitar player, you got a blank drummer, you got a blank, you know what I mean? Like how much of that was like kind of from around like, Oh, you know, it'd be sweet. Let's get that funk guy. Let's get that guy on bass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, the band, as far as the members go, it was never really like, I mean, early on it was, Hey, posting on freaking Craigslist or whatever, My but it was space. never so much like, let's find this guy that can like play this kind of stuff. It gotcha. was like, who's fucking down here, bro. Like, you know, yeah, even yeah. the current, even the current guys, like there's pictures of the current, some of the current guys at trap shows, like in the front row, like from, you know, before they're in the Fuck. band, like it, it was more rad. about like, yeah. who, cause and I'm still, I still say this and it's, it's eased up over time, but still very true. Um, you know, musicianship's important to a degree, but what's most important is who is fucking dedicated who, when, when we have those gut churning moments, who's going to survive those and not catch a flight back to Cleveland. Like yeah. that's, and that's what it has always been as far as where I was at and how Cleveland ties into that time frame. I had, I moved to Cleveland in 2009 not, I, I knew like, you know, despite all my great times at Ken and knowing a lot of people down there, like I didn't know anybody. And I moved into Tremont, uh, in the small apartment that was haunted with a <laughs> church in the, with a church in the backyard that was, that was dilapidated and completely surrounded by houses and a neighborhood full of stray cats and weird people and, yeah. and, and crime. And then we were rehearsing, um, at rock and roll city over there. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. and I was, I was experiencing like living in a, in an urban area. Um, for the first time I was, I was going on, I'd, I'd take, I'd go on jogs and I'd take my pocket knife and I would jog into Clark Fulton. And in fact, I would I'd jog right past the, um, Ariel Castro house, huh. uh, pr- prior to the, yeah. um, prior to them finding the girls and everything. And it was just like this crazy, and I, you know, and I wasn't handling it in a healthy way either, but let me preface it by saying that, like, yeah. this was all, I'm like diving into the vices head first in this new place where I know very little people. And then like that, and we were making that record in an addict off Clifton on 17th and Lakewood. Yeah. Uh, so it was very Cleveland in that, in that sort of sense. And you know, these, everyone's <laughs> yeah. haunted their own stories. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, 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 this, it was one of those big, uh, row kind of row houses that had like, uh, an, a unit on the, the front and back of the top floor and the front and the back of the bottom floor. Yeah. And, um, and there was an old guy that owned the house that lived on the first floor. And I, and I remember when I first moved there and I've always been kind of like, um, the, the ghost shit is always like, since I was a child, I've always been like, kind of, it's been a real thing for me. But I, I asked the guy, I'm like, Hey man, just like ask you like anything weird happened here anything like that. And he kind of made a weird face and his son was there and he's like, Oh no, no, nothing. No. Well, long story short is, when I moved out of there, he told me, he's like, yeah, I want to let you know that, um, there's a couple in here before you, they stayed here for like two months and they yeah. had moved out and, and just quickly one night because they said something was torturing them in your apartment. What? And I'm like, and I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Thankfully I was so drunk and drugged up that I, I, I never had an experience, but yeah, yeah. there was a, there was a church in the backyard that was completely surrounded by homes now. And there's yeah. a bunch of neighbor, neighborhood cats living there. And then like there was, um, on the first floor, 
of this apartment. I shared a hallway with this downstairs apartment and there was a woman, this has got to be in her forties and just like, just looked every bit of 65. And she had, she was stripping at one of the clubs on 25th. I remember there was, I remember I get a glimpse in her apartment when I walked by and there was trash piled up, like literally to the ceiling against the walls. And she had kids living there and it was just like this whole crazy, like just oh my god, what, yeah, yeah, like what is? I just went from fucking Kent State to yeah. like just like not, and it was it was wild, man. It was wild. A to B, fuck. Yeah, um, yeah. So, that, damn, that's crazy. That's always like one of my fears is like getting a spot and it's, it's haunted. <laughs> like, oh come yeah. on, come on, I just got the spot and now I can't, I can't, I can't even do stuff here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so who knows if it was or wasn't. I didn't experience anything, but somebody did. Well, I guess, well, lucked out with it. Like, and I don't know, maybe more factors of that environment were alarming to uh, to that couple that was living there before that made the home environment resonate in a shittier way. Probably. Like, I got my car broken into over there, so I I, I, I bought guns. Like, I, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, I, I would, it was... It was a super strange and necessary part of everything, yeah. but but um, it's some Cleveland shit for sure, you know. Yeah, that's one thing you're never ever really ready for is like finding a spot and then like worrying. It's kind of like um that uh that uh Gladwell Malcolm Gladwell thing um the the trust like we as people when you meet a stranger you default to trust. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, have you, um. Oh yeah, I'm big. I read a bunch of his books. Okay, the, the I, talking to strangers. Yeah, you, I, like I, I, I I defer to the bl- the blink thing though, like the first okay. impression. Like yeah, yeah. Like, I, I kind of got a weird vibe right away, and I asked them, and he was like, "No, no, no." I'm like, "Oh, he says no," you know. Like, yeah, that's a that's an interesting read. The, the the idea of like putting psychology and like sociology and like almost like a business aspect into like one like type of easy not easy to read, but one well well-rounded package of a book and that yeah. that it's interesting that because there's not too many books on that like or i bet there is but i haven't found them but um like on that gut feeling thing right like that blink blink is a, those three concepts in there are pretty um i don't know it's a good read good read uh but yeah i guess that would be like the gut feeling there like <laughs> this lady's living in trash this place is haunted and there's a bunch of crazy cats <laughs> maybe not my yeah. vibe yeah I think I wanted that at the time, though. I think I like at some point. I, I don't know. It's always been like kind of like A to B. Like, I just from- like swim, swimming in the darkness, though, bro. Like I, I just I, I don't like you know. I, maybe it's being an addict or who knows. Like, who knows? Yeah. That's that's time. That's that's for another time. Probably yeah. dive. But like I was like okay, like I can I can I like this, you know. And if I didn't, if I was a pussy, I'd be I'd have been out of there the second, you know. Yeah. Not to say that I'm fucking. I was fucking enduring some like a hood lifestyle or anything or like you know whatever. But it wasn't. It wasn't like in kind of stress free sort of situation. It was. It was weird. Well, it's almost. It's, it's weird. It's like going from like how you're saying like this kind of uh, protected spot of Kent. You know, I mean, this little bubble of culture to like this real bubble of culture. A right. to B really quick and. I don't know if you're going through stuff like that. It's like I deserve to do this because I did that type deal, you know. Right. Um, kind of bounce shift gears completely because I know it's getting to be like a probably time for you to hit the road. Are you are you hitting up family? Is that why you're going to PA? 
I'm doing, uh, yeah, I'm doing like a gift delivery, but basically like in the driveway. It's, gotcha. it's, it's a weird year, man. It's yeah. weird. You guys have persevered though, as far as like a band being able to play some of these shows and like, cause you did a lot in Florida, right? Yeah. We just did, uh, limited just numbers did and stuff. Yeah. We just did two weeks in Florida and, um, we really tried our best to stay ahead of like this ever-changing curve and we were like one of the first bands to jump on like the streaming and then yeah or at least you know within our circle and then uh the driving shows and then we jumped on we probably did like 30 or 40 kind of backyard parties over the summer so we've been doing good and yeah um, for real i'm thankful for that some of the like even just the number of 30 shows you know i mean like I i was talking to some of um the guys that I know who play for a living just in the local scene and they're like, yeah, maybe two gigs a month, you know? And like my right. like local bar gig thing went down to even less than that. So that's, that's super incredible to maintain like that and to put out a record and be able to push it like you guys are, which kind of the, the Cali song on that record I wanted to ask about, and this may fall into like, um, the situation you were in before, like this idea of like manifesting to the West type deal. Has that always been like a, a weird like thing that people have been like to make it, you have to go out to California. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where kind of where that all came from, but it's, I mean, it's definitely what we've been hearing for, for years and years. I mean, to a degree it might be true. I don't know. I'll let you know when I figure it out, but <laughs> you no, know, it's definitely like if you're playing like this, this reggae rock stuff, like it yeah. definitely sort of started in, you know, California. Yeah. Um, but that's not this. I mean, I, in my opinion, we've already proved a lot of those people wrong to a degree, um, with what we're doing. I mean, I hear a lot, like I've heard a lot from people above my head, like, dude, it's just like to be in Cleveland and do like the numbers you guys do and do what you guys are doing is like really something like unique, like, you know, for this kind of sound. Definitely. So, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that guy that's like Cali, bro, let's get out there. Let's, yeah. Yeah. It's not me. Like I, I like it out here, and um, but it, to a degree, I, I mean, I, I, you'd find a lot of people that would would say that for sure. Well, that's just kind of the tone of the song. Seems like that's what people are saying within the yeah. song. Like to go make it, to do the next thing. You gotta, you gotta embrace that that manifest destiny type of. It's weird that never left uh, American culture going west. Um, and I guess to wrap it up, man, cause I, we've been going at it for a minute. Um, my last question would be like Brandon Hawkins. <laughs> Brandon Hawkins. Yeah. Just, it's just, just Brandon, Hawkins, just Brandon Hawkins. It's not really a direct question as much as it is like, that's how, like, I think I met you and Carrie and, um, a lot of people and Brandon's been involved in Tropodelic for I don't even know how long. That's kind of I want to. <laughs> that's what I want to find out. He is a is a, if it, uh, he is the connector of all connectors. If he's in the tipping point of philosophy, like that guy reaches out to so many people and man, it like puts together so many things. And Tropodelic has always been um, something that's inspired him and something something that he's never not mentioned. So. How how deep do your roots run with uh, our friend Brandon? <laughs> it's such like back back in those like days. It was just again just like another like completely just like natural magical sort of situation. I remember in between classes at Kent, 
you know, like bustling students walking between the buildings. I was out in front of the business building and I, it was almost like I saw a guy, we used to call him Ketis because of just how he looked and kind of moved and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, also called him, called him Jesus and a bunch of other things back in those days. But <laughs> I saw this guy walking with a guitar case, long hair, hat on backwards, like in a, like a, at, at a distance, like through a, just a bunch of hundreds of students walking around. And I go, you know what? I know this dude's going to say something to me. And yeah. it's not like I had a look to me at the time too. I just kind of look like every other generic like dude walking around there. Yeah. Um, and like, shit you not, he walks up, walks up to me through this, through these people and a baby bird falls out of a bird nest huh. like, right between us. Fuck. And, and yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And then he slept on our couch for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but he, he's been a great friend for a long yeah. time. And, um, yeah, he's, and then he kind of did his thing in Florida for a while and now he's, he's back around he loves, he thrives on bringing people together and he's doing well. So I'm, I'm happy for him. That's uh, That's crazy with the Hawkins reference. Like this is name and then this bird falls in between you guys. It's wow. wild, man. The whole, everything just happened. I'm, I'm blessed and it's been a wild ride and I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, man. Well, damn, that's awesome. Well, Rhodes, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out to chat. This has been awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is uh, one of the better ones I've done, so appreciate cool. it. Appreciate that. Definitely. Definitely.